Happy to be joined right now on Matchpoint Canada by a returning guest of ours, one of our favorites, one of your favorites too, and a face that we haven't seen too much of the last couple of years, but has made a return to the ATP Tour and with resounding success, uh, making the round round of 16 here in Canada at his hometown tournament back in August at the National Bank Open and returning to play for Team Canada as well for the first time in five years in Davis Cup competition. Milos Raonic, nice to see you again. Thanks for taking the time today. Good to be back. Happy to chat with you going into the holidays. We are just days away from Christmas as we're recording this. And so uh, I'll start by asking you, is uh, all your shopping done? Are you ready for the holiday season? I hope all my shopping is done. I'm ready as so far that I've thought through, but I'm sure something will probably come up in the last minute that didn't cross my mind. I'm not the most festive and well-prepared guy when it comes to this stuff. So there will be some last-minute adjustments, I'm sure, that are unavoidable. Totally understand. I find as I get older, I'm more on top of the, the holiday season. And and having three kids kind of motivates me to get my, you know, what together well in advance so that I don't disappoint them. It's like another level of having to be prepared. So for their sake, I'm well-organized for this year. Um, my wife, that's another story. But we'll get to that. we still got time. Um what have you been up to these days? We uh, we spoke back in the summertime uh, after your return to the grass courts before you played here in Toronto, although I got to um, spend a little time with you and your team, which was nice during the event. And, and I'll certainly ask you about that late, uh, later. But what have you been up to in the, you know, the so-called off season of, of tennis, I guess? Yeah, um, it's been a bit of a long off season for me. I haven't really played on the ATV tour since... Uh... US the Open. US Open, then uh, I was happy to join the team for the first time in a while in Malaga. Um, kind of a disappointing result, but, uh, you know, um, I've just put in a lot of time, spent a lot of time on court, a lot of time in the gym, with obviously Australia being the next uh, major focus and goal and been feeling good, uh, excited to head down there over the next, just after the new year. Um, and, and yeah, I was, uh, just been doing the things that I need to, uh, been able to train quite well, haven't had any setbacks, been able to do a lot of good things on court in the gym. So put in a lot of volume, put in a lot of time and, uh, you know, getting to the tail end of that and, uh, just now kind of tapering down and mixing in a bit of recovery as well, uh, to really, be able to go out to uh to melbourne and uh hopefully be at some of my best tennis it's great to hear and i know your fans are going to be super happy to hear that the plan is to to hit the ground running in 2024 uh, what, what tournaments right now do you expect in january to uh to be hitting yeah uh i'll go straight down to melbourne i was hoping to play actually in hong kong um and i just made kind of a rational decision um i requested at the event a wild card i didn't want to use one of my protected spots for 250 um ultimately uh that didn't work out so i decided to uh, not play hong kong i'll go down i'll play actually cool young to get a few matches in uh that way i don't use up my protected uh slots for 250 and then get ready to play melbourne luckily for me i've always been actually pretty good at playing without too many uh prep matches so uh the most important thing for me was over these last few months to get in some good training and put in uh, some good time in the gym and on court and really be able to go full out there and uh hopefully that can convert some good tennis for me so the aussie open would be the first official 
tournament with first official, points. yeah, and then a few matches, uh, hopefully in Kuyong, uh, the week just before it, I'll head down already to uh, Melbourne, probably like the second or the third of January. So be there almost two full weeks before. Just it's been a long time since I've had to really deal with time change. So if uh, if this was something I was used to, I'd probably go seven eight days before, but. Uh, Let's just prepare just in case it doesn't. It hits me a little bit harder than most times. Yeah, probably uh, go there a little plenty enough early. Probably a good plan, and and it must be so exciting to know that you're starting a season when when all your competitors are also starting their seasons. Because you know when you spoke at length about last year, uh, you know you had had some injury setbacks that prevented you from playing the the Aussie swing, and you had COVID a little bit later than most people got it. Avoided the clay, which is understandable, and so for you the grass was the the most sort of realistic timing. To get back to things but it, it must feel nice to know that you know the all the competition won't have a leg up on you that you're all getting back going this year and starting at the same point yeah and really i've just focused on myself even starting middle of the year starting it's just the benefit i guess but for me the thing that's the most encouraging is the the time and effort i've been able to put in uh, the last couple of weeks and then also uh, be able to go play davis cup have that on my on my end of things go pretty well was happy with my level there, uh, considering everything. And it also gave me a good checkpoint for the rest of the off season for a lot of things to work on. So, um, that's all been really positive. I'm, I'm happy about it and I'm happy with the way things have gone. Now it's just really about the last final push and then kind of regenerating and freshening up and getting excited to go. I want to ask you about 2023 and how things went for you, because as mentioned, when we had you on the podcast, it was pretty much at the beginning of, of that whole comeback. And, and what a great interview that was. You gave us such insight into all you'd been through for those two years. And I think, you know, we got a lot of great feedback from our listeners who loved hearing from you and, and just how in-depth you got with that. So we really appreciated that. Now that it's come and happened, some positives along the way, winning in your first match back, getting back to Wimbledon, a pretty good run here in Toronto, I would say. I'm, I'm sure you'd agree on many levels. But then also some sort of steps back, I guess, that you couldn't push the body maybe as much as you wanted to after Toronto, played the U.S. Open, then had to take some time before Davis Cup. So if you look at the whole sort of, you know, body of work that we saw from you in 2023, and given what you had been through the previous two years, how do you assess what it was like for you coming back and, and how things played out? Yeah, obviously some things, uh, there was a bit of a sour taste about just coming back right away first week and, uh, in uh, Hotogenbosch getting hurt, then kind of managing that. There was always things managing, but obviously the things that encouraged me and gave me the most motivation was that um, there were also flashes of very good things, uh, things that I was actually the most worried about um, because there was no sense of preview or anything where my level would be at, right? Uh, having not played a competitive match and, even practicing with some top guys, um, not really having a sense of like, okay, how's this going to be when when it all counts? Um, I was able to alleviate those kind of stresses and, and pressures and kind of feel like, okay, now gives me a few less things to worry about. Now, if I can get these other things in order, I feel like I can, uh, you know, uh, build off of there pretty well. So all those things are very positive. Obviously, had a few setbacks, but. Um, you know, it was also unrealistic. It was hopeful, but not the most realistic thing. Like everything's going to just go smoothly after such a long period of time away. So I had to deal with certain things, uh, some tough, some, 
you know, but they all just came with the territory. Um, but all of them were very manageable. Um, and, you know, I was able hopefully to do all the right things and make all the right adjustments that can lead me to, let's say, some more smoother times uh, with those difficulties, not having the same things come up again, that I can go out there. I've been very happy with how much I've been able to push this offseason. It's kind of not even just the last two years, but probably even uh, more than that, the, that I've been able, you know, we did about four weeks of training before I went to Davis Cup. And then now it's about four weeks after Davis Cup. It's the first time in a long time that I've been able to like really consistently push that much. So um, I hope that that accumulates to something good. You know, I feel like I've been able to really take care of all the things that were within my control. It's uh, all I can ask. It's all anybody can really ever ask. Now um, I just got to go out there, put my best foot forward and, and see where that takes me. And I'm pretty excited and happy about where I am right now from what I can tell, obviously in, strictly practice scenarios so even with some of those challenges and hurdles you faced after let's say the u.s open you're feeling pretty confident that 2024 your, your plan is to play as as much as you realistically can sort of fit in and and manage with with your body at this point yeah um yeah i, I i'm not expecting or nor am i aiming to play like uh, 22 events throughout the year um it's been a long time since i've done that but um, I think with a pretty reasonable schedule, um, you know, I hope that through, let's say, the first hard court swing that I could play, uh, obviously now missing the first one, but maybe five or six events um, through the first three months, that that would be quite positive, be able to play, um, obviously start off with Australia, play a couple of the 500s in, uh, there and then play the Masters uh, after that in Indian Wells in Miami, that would be something really positive. See how I want to do with uh, clay, especially since uh, Olympics is on clay this year. So I definitely have to consider uh, a more active clay court season in that, in that perspective, but also not by any means a full clay court season. So I got to kind of weigh those things. I think I'll get those answers more through the first three months when I can see like, Hey, what am I able to handle? And then, uh, then kind of go in through things and yeah, I, I would like to play a cons not a busy schedule, but a consistent schedule would definitely be the goal. Well, it's very cool to hear we might see on clay. Cause that was going to be one of my questions. If you were going to kind of do like Roger did for a while there and just skip it entirely and move straight to the grass. But I, I hadn't really considered, I guess your desire to want to represent Canada at the Olympics. Is that what I'm sort of hearing as well? I guess. Yeah, it's, it's a goal. Obviously it's, it's going to be a tough goal with, uh, how much I'd have to catch up and how well I'd have to play, but um, it's definitely the intention. It was also a big part of, uh, you know, when we looked at it, uh, wanting to play Davis Cup, especially after the guys winning, but then also to have Olympic uh, eligibility. I believe it's something along the lines that you have to play within the last two years leading up to the Olympics. So that was also a big part of it. Um, I wasn't healthy when the tie came up in, uh, in Bergamo uh at the in, right after the US Open so making this work in the middle of the off season was kind of a big thing for me so it is it is definitely an important goal for me for next year very cool man very cool um i want to ask you from you know returning to the tour in the summertime what was the high point what was your highlight of 2023 i know what i think you might say and i know what your fans here would probably say in terms of a specific match but what was it for you from your perspective 
Yeah, I think it, it it all boils down to kind of that one night with uh, Francis um, in Toronto, that night match. I believe that was the first night, right? Monday night. Yeah. Um, yeah, that a lot of people might kind of look at the match and say that. Uh, but I think the thing that stuck to me, and I really didn't even notice it, was uh, just my parents' reaction to it. I, I kind of spoke about it in the press conference. But that stuck with me. But I guess that encompasses that whole intensity the drama of that night obviously the end of that first set as well like just a bunch of things kind of coming together the tension of it uh definitely and probably means a lot more to me than it did to francis he's been in that many many times over the last years but for me just having that kind of uh tension playing through that finding a way seeing the elation on my parents reactions like all those kind of things are incredibly significant and that's definitely the best and most important moment um yeah and then also the first match coming back um that took a lot i don't think it was as much joy as it was relief um in her talking about just that okay practice was practice practice was going well but the level's still there that those two things i think really uh just emotionally fulfilled a lot of things for me uh, in their own ways. Um, those are the two most important things for me on court uh, over the last year. That Toronto match was electric. And I think everyone in attendance this summer would say that was the match of the event for them. Uh, even though it was a first round match, uh, I'm sure your eyebrows went up when you saw you were playing the highest ranked player you possibly could in the first round, given that the top eight had had buys. So that's certainly something I'm sure this year you'll Look forward to maybe not always facing a, a top 10 player like Francis or, or CeCe Pass as you did at the U.S. Open. But in some ways, it must be um, great to get out there and test yourself right away against the best in the world, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, it is. And also, um, I guess in some ways, it's almost a blessing because the continuity for me was the toughest thing. So it's nice to play. Francis, uh, you know, fresh at the beginning of a week rather than, you know, the way I felt kind of by the time I got to my third match against uh, McDonald's McDonald. there. Um, you know, it, you can look at it in so many different ways, right? There's positives and negatives to every situation. But right now, the fact is I'm not seated. Uh, most of my career, I've been seated in most events and had some kind of freedom to work with there. Uh, I just got to take things as they go and as they come. and. Um, I just got to take care of the things I can and whoever's on the other side of the net beauty for me is um, my server will always give me a chance. It'll keep me around, give me some kind of opportunity um, in tough moments and in good moments. And then I just got to build up from there. At least it gives me a nice foundation. You told us in the summertime when we spoke that one of your concerns or apprehensions as you were training to prepare to come back was what if I'm not just one level away, but what if I'm several levels away from where I want to be or need to be? Where did you find that your level was then compared to the opponents that you played throughout your your sort of body of work this year? Yeah, I think there was flashes of it there where right at I think the problem was uh, and the tough thing in tennis was, you know, that level where you are is about maintaining it, at least or maybe you can be a level sometimes below, but you're not fluctuating too much. And without that kind of constant uh stimulus or or need for it it's really hard to fabricate so being in those situations is really the only way to train it because the competition demands it from you right the adrenaline kicks in it's really hard to just uh 
fake that adrenaline. Your body, your hormones and your body just aren't going to react that way. So you got to be in that uh, situation. And I fluctuated. I, I was a little bit volatile at moments, but the signs of it were there. And the path of how to get to that point where it's consistent was there. So that was a, a big, big relief for me that, hey, there, it's in there. Now you just got to kind of keep working hard at making it a staple and making it a consistent thing. And did you find consistency with how many water bottles and rackets to string and all that kind of stuff that you joked with us was your, your yeah. one of your big concerns, uh, actually? Yeah, I don't know. I'm still figuring it out, to be honest with you. Um, I was just uh, yesterday on uh, the phone with, uh, with Nate from Priority One. He was setting up my rackets for me and he was kind of having to still remind me like, Hey, you're off to Australia. This is what you need. Like I was, I almost forgot to reach out to him and be like, Hey, the new year starting, uh, where are my sticks for the new year? Um, luckily he was a step ahead and keeping, uh, keeping me on my toes. That's for sure. Well, good luck with all your packing for this big upcoming Thank trip you. as you're, you know, going to be a little bit far from home to go back and grab something you forgot for sure. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you about your return to Davis cup play first time. in I believe five years being back, part of the squad, a squad that you know well, but that's also changed since back then. No more Daniel Nestor. Um, he finally had to hang up the racket at some point, but some new faces in Gallarno and Diallo, who both had a pretty big year for their development um, in terms of, you know, looking like real professional players. Vashik was there, although still dealing, I think, with some elbow issues. Um, and Felix, who unfortunately couldn't take to the court against Finland. Um, but what was it like for you to be back amongst the group? It's rare for tennis players to get those team competitions. So, um, what were the highlights for that for you? Yeah, it was great, to be honest with you. Um, not only did things change quite a bit um, within the playing team, but also just the staff around was quite different. I think there was a lot of people that were kind of the same, but also roles had changed, all these kind of things. So the whole dynamic was different, and it was fun. It was nice uh, to get, you know, I've spent time with Felix, obviously, with Fashix through juniors as well, but getting to know the other two guys, especially with how instrumental both of them were with the success that the Canadian team had in in Bergamo to get to the to the finals. Um, and then just getting to know them. I, I've had the chance to watch uh, Gabriel play a few times, but also being on the court, getting a chance to feel it, that kind of stuff's exciting. Playing points, practicing together, practicing with uh, Alexis as well. Like those kind of things are quite exciting because then, you know, you follow results a bit more. You, you pay attention a bit more. You kind of develop like a thought process of how they could do and how you would play them just because you're competitive naturally. And then you follow right. and you kind of, yeah, you just, you feel more in touch with it um, rather than just like, it's nice to follow another Canadian. You feel a bit more in touch with it because it's also a competitive aspect to it. So all those kind of things were fun. Um, it was it was a weird thing because there were so many players managing things uh, throughout that period of time. Um, I think everybody, obviously Felix not being able to play, Vashik really took one uh, for the team stepping up because he wasn't feeling that great at all. And he really stepped up. You could see in the match he was struggling a bit. Uh, I guess uh, Gabriel was also questionable in a lot of scenarios because he pulled out the week before. Um, I believe in Calgary Challenger, 
So everybody's like, okay, so who's left? Milos, who's <laughs> barely played uh, like a few matches. I believe Alexis was carrying something into the week as well. So it was kind of a weird week in that sense. But uh, Frank got us all together. I think everybody who played gave it their best, got the most out of themselves. It was a disappointing loss, but nevertheless, it was it was a great week. It was a fun week, and it was one of those weeks that um, you don't know how you miss until, how much you miss them until you're in it. Right. Uh, you can t- sometimes take it for granted, and then you get to go through it, and you're like, "Wow, that was a really fun week with a great group of guys, a great team as well, great support." Um, it made it that much more fun. And no offense, but maybe a funny feeling with you being the healthiest one among the bunch there at that uh, that event. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe if the bar is low enough, right? <laughs> hey, you you don't uh, tweet too much. You're not super active on on social media, but I'm just looking at your most recent original tweet, and it was congratulating the women on their big breakthrough and historic victory at Billie Jean King Cup. And for that brief period of a couple of weeks, how Canada was world champs on both the men's side and the women's side. Um, just what a remarkable ride for this country. What's your takeaway and, and thoughts on, on what the women achieved together this year? Yeah, it's incredible. Um, you know, the guys gave us a glimpse of it. I believe it was in 2019, just before COVID with that finals, uh, versus Spain, I believe. Um, and then to do this, uh, what they did last, uh, last year, uh, took it to a whole nother level. And then also the girls really to step up, which was, uh, you know, I followed a little bit earlier in the week and then it just felt like something was just steamrolling. It's just one of those classic sporting event stories. It just kind of steamrolled into one thing. And all of a sudden, Canada is atop the tennis world uh, in men's and women's. Um, That wasn't on many people's bingo cards. So that just shows you how significant it was. Maybe not so crazy if you just look back like a year or two where you say like, hey, this is possible. But people that have been following uh, Canadian tennis for a long time, um, you know, you mentioned this 10 years ago. It's kind of like, huh, that would be a nice thought. And I'm sure it became a real uh, focus of Tennis Canada. But you look back like 15, 20 years um, yeah, I don't even, I don't, uh, maybe people have said it, this would be kind of a nice thing to achieve, but I don't think people really ever believed or even had an idea of what the, what the road to get there would look like. So to have that kind of a drastic change within, I don't know how people, but what is it, a generation, generation and a half of, uh, of growth of Canadian tennis and not just one individual athlete, like, multiple athletes across the whole spectrum of ages and men's women's um singles winning, doubles singles doubles um i think uh also won mixed doubles like just the whole the whole scope of it um yeah it's just like that little cherry on top where it makes you just you get to that pinnacle and then you look back and you can really appreciate all the steps that happened to it right um, there was a few times where I was on the team where I was like, I, I remember I was as a hitting partner. There was matches like to not get relegated to like group three or group two. I don't remember what the old format used to be, but as far down um, as you could go. Yeah. 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 You, you know, most, most people wouldn't understand what that, that means, but it kind of be like, um, yeah, I don't know. 
fourth division in EPL soccer or something like that, where, you know, they play in front of 12 people in the crowd if they're lucky, uh, that kind of stuff. So it's a pretty drastic change in a very short period amount of time. And what I love about the the team's success is sometimes it can kind of, uh, you know, not distract, but kind of amplify the positive vibes when you look at maybe, uh, maybe things didn't work out in, in singles competition for ATP or WTA events. Like, Everyone would love to see another Bianca Andreescu win or to see you in a final again or something on, on that magnitude. But then the team events come by and we have a result like this. And I think it really just picks up everybody's feelings in the country. Tennis fans who otherwise were thinking, oh, maybe it wasn't as successful a year as we thought it was. And then all of a sudden you end with something big like this as a group and show what we can accomplish. Yeah, it is. And I just I just wish it got the credit and the attention it deserved, um, especially if throughout canadian kind of news at the moment i kind of looked around just to kind of see uh last year and then this year i think people underscore and underappreciate how significant it really was and uh, um yeah you take those things for granted until you realize how hard they are to do and uh, yeah the players that have achieved those things and the staff and the teams that have achieved those things obviously uh with michael stepping down uh in a week or so, whatever it may be, like the team he's put around. Then you have Guillaume, who's been on uh, around with Davis Cup with the high performance from Alain Beaupre, who's organized a lot of things for us. For the uh, from Frank, who's been a player and the captain, just on all ends of the spectrum, it just touches so many people, right? There's so many people where this was a mission statement, right? All throughout Tennis Canada, where they have contributed and they have participated and they are part of many of the reasons for the success of it. Yeah, well said and, and good to point out all those names. And, and certainly Michael Downey is uh, ending things uh, on, a, on a real positive note. And we're going to end things here too on a positive note with a couple of questions that our uh, listeners have submitted for you. So I take, don't point the finger at me if you don't like them. They're great questions. I'll tell you ahead of well, time. They sound positive. So yeah, <laughs> nothing, nothing too difficult. No more hardballs. Okay. So Shirley Hat is asking, uh, what are your specific goals for 2024? Yeah. Um, Olympics, because, you know, I could make an, an immediate goal going into Australia, but the way I see it is the Olympics, because it encompasses things, right? It would encompass a good level over uh, a succession of weeks. So I think that would mean a lot to me. And then it takes out things where you get in the question of what draws might look like and so forth. So I think making Olympics would be uh, a good positive climb for me over the next weeks and uh, over that period of time. Right on. Um, Adam Bradley is asking, and we've kind of touched on this a bit, but maybe you've got something a little different to offer. Uh, how are you going to manage your training and tournament schedule in the new year, given the toll that the sport sometimes takes on your body? Yeah. Um, it's about playing consistently and things out. I, I've followed it for a long time. I don't see myself playing more than, you know, two events that are in consecutive weeks. Uh, definitely won't get up to three. And then uh, two is kind of also the question of how you're managing the results, right? If you're able to play well and play deep into events, that also might be something that really needs to be looked at. And then my goal is to play consistently, but never play a lot, because I think that would give me the or at least try that kind of balance to see if I have a bit more success with it in terms of health. Right on. Well, obviously we wish you all the best in the new year in, in that regard. And last question's coming from Herb, 
who says, who was your favorite tennis player growing up and who did you model your game after? Uh, Pete Sampras. Um, huge Pete one. Sampras fan. Yeah. Huge Pete Sampras fan. Um, was one of the, well, was maybe the person alongside my coach, Casey Curtis, that made me realize the importance of a serve, how it can really take you far in tennis and the amount of time I put into it. And then also just the way he carried himself. And I think, you know, these new guys have set a new standard, but I think his tennis is massively underappreciated, which is kind of crazy to say about a guy that won 14, 14. grand slams. And what's one record that I think he'll be able to keep, despite what these guys are doing nowadays is six years in a row, finishing the year number one. Oh, I think, oh, in a row, consecutive. Yes, consecutively. Right. Right. That's that's a big, and especially back in those days, like there was many times throughout the year where he was losing the spot, right? Where there was other players that were number one, but come crunch time towards the end of the season, you know, six years in a row to finish number one is pretty crazy. Yeah, and he made that a priority. Like he went after that late in seasons to get those points that he needed to. Yeah, I, I didn't know enough about tennis to know what like even points you could get us on, but I do remember that one stat that I'm still happy that that's a, a record that hasn't been, you know, taken away from him by these in, this incredible uh, group of uh, tennis players. You ever hear from Pete anymore? Ever like he's such a quiet character. In terms no, of- I, I, you know, he's always uh, kept to himself. But I saw that thing uh, about his wife going through a difficult issue uh, where he released a statement, which, um, you know, you you don't want anybody going through that, and obviously have uh, my idol going through that. Uh, I'm sure it's incredibly difficult, and I'm sure it was in something incredibly important for him to be able to speak about because he does really keep to himself. So um, I know he's very involved with uh, with his kids. His son, I believe, plays a quite high level of tennis. So that's that's pretty cool that uh, it's it's naturally coming through uh, the gene. And maybe his son looks up to you in terms of uh, tennis idols, like you looked up to his dad. Who knows, right? One could help. <laughs> Milos, thank you so much for um, coming on again with us. You by no means were obligated to do this. This was all on you. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Happy holidays. Uh, enjoy it. And see everybody on the tennis courts in the new year. And we look forward to catching up with you in 2024 and, and sharing all sorts of successes as well. So the best to you and yours this year, too. Thank you.